If you're here for the very first time tonight, we just really want to welcome you. And one of the ways we do that is just to give out a, a gift pack, which is just on the counter. So if you are with us for the first time, feel free to uh, grab one of those. Rochelle, can you just wave that gift pack? Awesome. So in there, there's a little bit of information about us. There's a voucher for a drink and so on. And there's a book on the counter, which you can feel free to grab as well. Um, all about seeing from a greater vantage point. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I hope through the proclamation of what you hear, you will have believing with greater sight, greater elevated sight to see the macro. We live on the earth, but we're not to have our eyes fixed on the earth. The Bible says, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated and you know, the cool thing about the book of Ephesians, and really every book, it's set on an eternal purpose, and that's what we're going to start unpacking and looking at. But just before I do that, I just want to read the words to that song. When my hand stretched out towards the sky, you will never let me run dry. There's a promise right there. So as my hands are stretched out towards him, you will never let me run dry. There's no reason for dryness. There are reasons why we're dry, but there's no reasons for dryness in God. When I dive into the depths of you, my heart is made anew. So as we dive into the depths of who he is, then our hearts are made anew. How cool is that? That's what Ephesians is really all about. And we're going to look at, go through line by line, verse by verse, and we'll just go to other verses probably. I'm just going to let him speak to me as I prophesy tonight. And, you know, we prophesy every week. Prophecy is declaring a reality that isn't yet. So you're going to hear a reality that may not be your reality yet, but God wants it to be. And we aren't to shrink back from that. What you're here tonight. And I hope what you're going to hear tonight, every Sunday night, is weighty. It's not heavy, it's weighty. It has weight. It has power. How many people know God's word has power? Power to heal, power to change, power to transform, power to create life. If the word of God created the earth we live in, then what's the word of God? And what's the purpose of the Word of God? The Bible says it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It comes and it does a work. It penetrates. What for? To make our hearts anew. Do you want a new heart? Do you want more life in your heart than what you currently have today? Because Jesus said understanding starts in the heart of man, not the mind of man. And the mind is transformed as the heart captures and hears the Word of God. So hear the word of God. Did you hear the word this morning? We weren't talking about running. That was just an analogy of what was really being said. Did you hear what God was saying this morning? I pray we're going to hear today what he's saying. Because the core theme of this book we're looking at, which is him, which is mana, food, is the eternal purpose. And there is a massive, massive difference between the eternal purpose and eternity. They're not the same thing. Sometimes when we hear the word eternal, we just think 
of that place in eternity. I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about the eternal purpose of the church that God has in store for her now. Okay? The eternal life is not eternity. It's an eternal life now that is forever, which will find yourself in eternity, but it's a life lived out now. You see, when the goal is eternity, then you can miss out on the eternal life because the goal is about getting somewhere. So you receive Christ as your Savior, I'm going to heaven. Eternity is mine, that's the goal. But when the goal, when the picture is an eternal life, everything changes. This is a life within you being built by God in you. Jesus said, I am the eternal life. Eternal life is to what? Know me. Where? If understanding starts in the heart, where are we to know him? In us. Where's the kingdom of God? In us. So eternal life is having the kingdom of God built within you. And then you live from that eternal life on the earth. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Do you know what you're praying? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is where? So what are you inviting? To come where? Where's earth? We're not saying on the earth. Where, where are we inviting heaven to come? In our hearts. So do you have heaven and the realm of heaven, the eternal realm living in your heart? Are you living from that place? So a love that's not of the earth, a joy that's not of the earth. This is what the book of Ephesians is teaching and communicating. How many chapters in the book of Ephesians? Six. Okay. Do you know the monstrosity of the truth that's talked about in the Ephesians, book of Ephesians? Do you know you will find the bride of Christ teaching? Where? In the book of Ephesians. Where will you find the fivefold teaching? In the book of Ephesians. Where will you find the armor of God? In the book of Ephesians. Where will you find Paul talking about his apostolic mandate? In the book of Ephesians. Wow. In six chapters, there is untold to come into. How much time have we spent in the book of Ephesians? Eating, drinking, from the wellspring himself of life. So there is much to what? Dive into. There is no reason to be dry if we dive into the wellspring of water and be consumed in water. Anybody dived into a pool that was well over your head and you realized, oh no. Well, that's what it's like in God. To dive so deep that you're lost in the depth of the ocean. But what's in the ocean at certain depths? Beauty. Incredibleness. So much life, isn't there? When I went scuba diving, man, 15 meters down, you see fish that you don't see at a meter up. You see, when you go deep into him, you start seeing things and hearing things and receiving things that you don't get at the surface. See, if it's just about eternity... You're not looking for the things of the eternal. Your eyes are on the earth and you're waiting to get out of here. But when your eyes are on the eternal, your eyes are firmly fixed on him. Because you know there's a mission for the church on the earth. But it can only live from the eternal reality, not its own strength. Let me just read this to you. 
This life-giving food, prophecy, brings to light God's eternal will, eternal purpose for us. But we must be able to hear, understand, and see it if we're going to be able to live out this eternal purpose. This letter or manna from above declares the high goals of God for us as his people. So everything you hear, everything we're teaching, the context is eternal purpose. So I hope that everything that aligns, everything that's precept upon precept is building to hopefully our eyes being open to the eternal purpose that God has for the church. It's not individual. This is for all of us. And then God gives us individual assignments on earth that get shaped into this his eternal purpose for us. You see, we've hoodwinked ourselves by telling everyone you all have an individual purpose that's outside of the eternal purpose. That's why we're not looking for it. If I was to ask you right now, what's the will of God for his church, could you tell me? Because we've been taught that we're supposed to be proving it. Haven't we? Romans 12 too. If our minds are being renewed, we will prove what the perfect will of God is. So we need to know what that is so we can live it out. Makes sense, doesn't it? Awesome. Okay. So God's eternal purpose is the building and formation of Christ within us. This is what's going to come so clear as we unpack this book. God's eternal purpose is the building and formation of Christ within us. See, it's not enough just to say, well, yeah, he lives in me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. He wants the reality, the literal reality of him in you, yes? He wants you to know what it's like to experience the life he walked in. To every measure. He wants you to be poor in spirit. He wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He desires us that we would be so pure we would see him. He wants us to be persecuted for righteousness. He wants to form his life in us. Are you hearing the magnitude of this? It's not just a sprinkling. He wants to literally be in you and growing in you. I will build my church. Okay? What does that mean? If you're a building in construction, it gets erected, doesn't it? There's a building of substance. What does it mean when he said, I will build my church? We need to know what that means. Because we need to sub submit and surrender to the building process. Because then he goes on and he says, And the church that I build, the gates of Hades, meaning hell, and your flesh and the enemy, does not come against this church. So when there's a lie that comes, or insecurity, whatever it is, the church he's building, because he's building it, overcome those things. So when there's the room for offense, love loves on the offense. Why? Because it can, because it's being built, it's being formed. And this is what the whole purpose, this is the eternal purpose that Ephesians declares.
And so that's why the importance of the fivefold, the bride of Christ, he's coming for a spotless, blameless, beautiful, perfect bride, for it is him. He's looking for her, that we would be a pure virgin that has not been with the world. We've all been with the world, but God is sanctifying us through his living word, building us, producing within us this eternal life. And so let's go to Ephesians 1, verses 1. <laughs> we haven't even started yet. <laughs> Woo, you ready? I hope you're ready. I might take off. Okay, the blessings of redemption. Even that, just the title, the blessings, not blessing, the blessings of redemption. Is it just about getting across the line or is there a whole life to experience and come into now while I breathe? Yes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Stop. <laughs> have you ever asked yourself why he would start the way he started why, why, why start like that what if I said this Greg the apostle by the will of God what if Trina said Trina the prophet by the will of God how would you respond Would you believe? Would you think, you're full of it? He's declaring a reality, isn't he? He's saying, he doesn't say this, I have the gift of apostleship. He says, I am the apostle. I am the gift. And if you were part of the fivefold series teaching, you'd know the importance of the five giftings that God has given. He says, it's not by choice. I didn't make it up. I didn't pull it out of the lottery. I didn't go, well, I want that gift, so I'll go and buy that and take that. He said it's by the will of God. What for? So the man has been hand-selected by heaven. And then he's given a functioning, gifting, role, person thing he is, and it's embedded into him, and it wasn't his choice. He didn't choose God. God chose him, didn't he? He was actually going to kill the church, trying to kill the church when he was apprehended and arrested into what? An alignment. What did we hear about today? An alignment. You're out of alignment, son. And today's the day I call you in by my will and I put my gifting on your life. So why does he start this way? Because he's trying to get everyone's attention to something that he knows. Now, the man was either completely arrogant or he was completely humble. You have to decide which one. Because depending on how you see that will be depending on how you receive what he says. If you can't honor the gift on him and honor his teaching and what he's saying, you will not receive, which means you won't receive the life in which he's trying to declare. So if a prophet turns up 
and you don't receive a prophet as a prophet in the name of a prophet, who gave the prophet the name? The father. So the father's given the prophet. You're a prophet. You're an apostle. You're a teacher. If you don't receive because the father has given the church these gifts in the name of me, you don't receive what they bring. Can you see how powerful this is? If you want the life of what's on these giftings, you have to receive them as they are from God. Not sit there and go, well, let's critique all this and see if I believe what they're saying. Nah, that doesn't fit into my box. <laughs> Do you know how close a fence is when the true deal turns up? Not the false. When the false is the, no offense, when the true deal turns up, Offense is right there. They were highly offended when he turned up, weren't they? It's no different today. People get highly offended when the real deal starts to speak because it comes with power and authority. What for? To condemn? No, to bring life. And Paul is saying right at the start, I have been called by God. I've been sent by God. For you, the Ephesian church. And this wasn't just a letter to the Ephesians, this was a letter to the churches. So right away, he's stating something for them so they would actually receive. But he also knows the power of that because in other scriptures, he says, some say I'm a deceiver. 1 Corinthians 4 or 5, or 2, 4 and 5. They say, some think I'm a deceiver, I'm a liar, I'm a false apostle. That's interesting, isn't it? And we're not talking about the world, we're talking about the church. So he says, I am an apostle of the will of God. I have a message to bring. And he's praying that he hopes that they would hear. Let's go to Jeremiah. Come with me to Jeremiah 1, 4 to 5. There are so many patterns in the Bible so we can follow the pattern and we see it. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you means I set you apart. What for? For myself. So before Jeremiah ever was born, he was chosen and set apart, consecrated for the father and the father's business. What an identity. Man, more than an overcomer. So before I ever was even entered the world, before stuff happened, I was chosen, hand-selected by heaven to know him and to be used in his great purpose. That I would give my life to see his purpose established in the earth, in me, and then through me. It doesn't get any better than that. And then he says this, I have, this is God, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Not just to a nation, not just to a group of people, but to the nations. Was Paul's ministry to the nations? Yes. 
Can you see the linkages, the patterns between what's being said here? The Bible says in Ephesians that God is the giver of the gifts to the church. So God sends Paul to the Ephesians to declare a reality that's God. Not Paul, God. Can you see why it's so important we receive the people that God sends as if we were receiving God himself? Otherwise, we're out of alignment. You don't want to be out of alignment. Why? Because if you're out of alignment, God can't pour out his life. You see, the absolute statements that are all in what we're going to look at and in his word come from being in alignment. Does that make sense? If you're out of alignment, things are out of whack. My back was out of alignment because my core wasn't strong enough. I had no idea. He said, your quad is so tight and your calf, it's pulling on your back. So he didn't fix my back, he fixed my quad and my calf and my abs. He said, you've got a massive knot right here. That's why you're out of alignment. He said, if I try and tackle your back, I need to tackle this part, which is causing that part. Bingo. Then you get sorted. So if we're out of alignment, I could still function. I still walked. I still got around. I was in pain. But as he's fixed this, I'm now in alignment, the pain. Would you think it's any different as a follower of Jesus? If God gives giftings to the church and says, this is how I build the church, and the church doesn't understand it or is in alignment to it, do you think you're going to receive the life? No. How can you? Because you're expecting something that's outside of his design. You're asking him to bless you against his will. He can't do it. It's like the child that wants to be blessed for the bad behavior. Danny and I don't bless our kids if their behavior is out of alignment. They have to come into alignment. Oh, those who believe in me, as the scripture says, from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So what does it mean to believe? I have to believe the way heaven says I believe, not a mental understanding. Otherwise, I won't have rivers of living water coming out of me. But if I do and I come into alignment through the power of the Spirit, I have living waters coming out of me. It's literal, guys. It's not abstract. It's to be a literal reality. Why? So then I can do what he asks. He doesn't dangle a carrot and leave it there. He gives everything he gives so the church can be the church that's written about, the eternal purpose it says there let's go through to the saints who are at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus do you realize that you've been called to be a saint who's going to judge the world 1 Corinthians 6 who the saints. Who are the saints? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, you're called to know it's you guys. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Priests. Who's a priest? Are you priests? No, I don't wear dog collars. 
Are you called to be spiritual priests? Yes. So who are these saints? It's us. And he says that are faithful in Christ Jesus. Does that mean you can be an unfaithful saint? You know, the only reason you're unfaithful is because you don't know him well enough to be faithful. Because when this flows into you, it creates life. You let go of you and start living for you because you've just received something greater than you. Obedience is to be motivated by love and activated from faith, sight. So if I know love, I will obey him because I'm in love with him. But it's done because now I can see faith, hope, and love. So if I know love, I'm going to walk in obedience. And as I walk in obedience, he's going to open up the realm of his spirit, which gives me faith. So now I can see and just live it out. So he's saying here to the saints of Ephesus, faithful. They are faithful. I declare you are faithful. I've seen your faithfulness. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I'm going to read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's dad, blessed be to him, who has blessed us. His church, the Ephesian church, is writing to all the other churches. We've got to come into this. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Heavenly is physical or spiritual. So God has blessed us in the spiritual places. See, we're thinking heaven, aren't we? How many people went, oh yeah, there's something to do with heaven? Because it said heavenly. And it is, but it's more than that. So heaven is the spirit, spirit realm. So we've been blessed with everything that's in heaven, the spirit realm. Heaven to earth. Are you tracking with me? Father, we pray that your heaven would come to earth in the church. So he's saying, because he knows this reality. Paul knows what he speaks. He's not writing abstract. He's writing his revealed position that the church, the saints, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the spirit, in the invisible realm, that can be visible if you have faith to see it and draw from it. So it's there. Everything is there, done, finished. Yes, you tracking? We have to just come into what is, okay? So then he says this, which I absolutely think is cool. Where are we from? Are we earthlings or are we citizens of heaven? So if we're citizens of heaven and every blessing is in the realm of the spirit, heaven, are we living in it? So we're from heaven living on earth. Is that correct? Jesus was the man who came from heaven, lived on earth. We are ambassadors of heaven living on the earth. Was the earth Jesus' home? Is it your home? 
So if you're from another home, and it's called the realm of the kingdom and the spirit, and you're an ambassador from that realm, then every blessing from that realm is to be in the church. Is that cool? So if we're living from lack, that's okay. But God would say, do you want to live from full? Because my way is this. I supply an abundant resource. I don't want you dry. I want you full of water, overflowing, pressed down. Yeah? This way of God, this eternal purpose is this full reality. So the question is, where are we living from if we are saints? Saints don't live on the earth with the priorities of earth, eating the manna of earth. They eat from above, called the spiritual kingdom, which is now on the earth. Now, we need physical food, but the Bible says man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. So what's our diet like? What food source are we drawing from? Because he says that <laughs> he's given us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's in the Son. Come with me to Colossians. Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verses 1. Colossians 2 verse 1, the title in my book, You Are Built Up in Christ. Here's this building again. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. What's the church at Laodicea known for? Say it again. And why are they a church known for lukewarm? Do you know what Laodicea means? What does it mean? The church of the people's opinions. So lukewarm, if you're of your own opinion, that's why you're lukewarm. Oh, I think this and I think that and I think this. Well, it doesn't matter. It only matters what he thinks and it's his truth. So if we're in his truth, there's no room for lukewarmness because his truth sets you free. It doesn't say his truth makes you lukewarm. So people's opinions, my opinion is irrelevant it is my opinion the truth so Paul says this I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those can you hear his heart for the church because he's been called as an apostle with a mandate to see the church be transformed into the likeness of the son so he's struggling he's in other scriptures he said I'm giving labor again for those at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. <laughs> How cool is that? Even if he doesn't know you, he loves you. Why? Because he knew you? No, because he knows the Father. And he knows the Father's way, and he knows what he's been called for. So that creates love even for people he doesn't even know. And he's praying for people he doesn't even know before the Father of heaven and earth on his knees. Why? Because he loves. Why? Because he knows the one of love. <laughs> this is what this is going to basically say. 
that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. Attaining to all the wealth. What did we just look at? God has blessed us. He says the same thing over and over, just using different words. That comes from what? The full assurance of understanding. Hear and understand. It's not enough just to hear. You have to understand. It's great. We hear. We hear, but we miss hear and understand if there is fruit to be produced. From the full assurance. Full assurance. Faith is what? The assurance of what we hope for, the conviction of things unseen. Can you see how all this links together? You can have a full assurance, a full confidence. If he turned up today, would you be confident? Do you know you're going to spend eternity with him without a shadow of a doubt? Awesome. Do you know that he loves you without a shadow of a doubt? Do you know that you've been called for an eternal purpose that's not an individual one, but it is a macro body one? And in that you will find a lane to run in and how he will work with you with your personality, your gifting, and what he's going to have you do. But it's connected to a bigger plan, and you can have a full assurance of this. And then he says this, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. So full assurance of understanding results in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is, Christ himself is the mystery, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is hidden everything. The only vision we need is to know God. That's it. Stop. And let out of that come all the function. See, when your vision's functional, you're going to miss, I believe, the true purpose. And you'll be running around in your own strength and your own works, not in the life source and the power of the one who sent him because you know him and he knows you. When you abide in him and he's abiding in you, it produces much what? Love, joy, peace, patience, rest, kindness, gentleness. And you're not operating anymore from your strength. Come to me and I will give you stress. What a deal that is. Thank you, Jesus. I've got enough of that in my own life. No, come to me and I will give you me. I will give you me. I am rest. I am the Sabbath rest. I fulfilled the entire law. It's me. But I already know you. Great. Get to know me more because have you come into my eternal life yet? See, the great mystery is in Christ and Christ is where? In us. So the more I know Christ, the mystery, because the Bible's telling me here that in Christ is hidden. Does not God conceal truth for us? So it's hidden. Why does he hide it? Is it from us or for us? 
It's for us because he's looking for something in us to respond that wants him more than we want us. He's looking, guys, for his lover. He's looking for who loves him 100%. Really, that's the story of the whole book. I love you. Do you love me? So then I'm going to create my design, which is higher than your ways, to figure out who loves me or not. And I'm going to hide stuff, but I'm going to save you first to qualify you all. But then as you grow, I'm going to put stuff in, I'm going to hide it all to see who really loves me and who's prepared to come and find me. And if they find me, guess what they're going to have? This eternal life within them, the purpose of my whole thing, the eternal perspective about being conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Woo! Am I near it? Yeah. Am I a long way away? Yeah. Am I going after more? You better believe it. I've tasted and I've seen. And so you prophesy. You prophesy. You declare. Why? So others can hear. And then it says this. <laughs> In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. So he says this so no one can come along and preach something else that sounds like him but it's just not in his operating system. You see, there's so much within him, but are we the right way around or are we upside down? See, it's not as easy as, oh, he didn't die on the cross, you know. It's not that. It's this is the number one priority in God. This is it here. This is how you do it. The ways of man who tries to build but they build in vain. That's the persuasive argument. It's not obvious. It sounds good. It sounds right. It's just not his way. And his way brings his life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you're in my way, you're in truth, then you're in life, see? And where's that life? Within you. What's it called? An eternal life. What is the purpose of God? transformation into the image of the one you love why so you can walk in the manner in which christ walked upon the earth as he was we are to be have you read that in 1 john 4 17 and 18 all tied in with love as he was let me say it again we are to be and as you work through this is we're only up like ephesians 1 verses we're in three verses here it's pretty meaty, isn't it? Imagine the rest of the book because it's forming and building towards a goal. So he starts giving you what you need to know because we're going to move through the chapters. This is Paul as he writes because I'm building to a crescendo. This is building. It's building. It's building towards something. And if you capture what it is he's building towards, you better have Christ in you because you're going to attract demonic activity like nothing else. Because the enemy does not want this message out. He's happy if we think it's all about lost people. He's happy if we think it's all about our giftings. He's happy if we think it's about prophecy. He's happy if we make it all the things that 1 Corinthians 13 tells you not to have as your priority. 
But if you make it about love, look out. Look out. And if you make it about loving one another, whew, look out. So keep on making it about the gifts. Keep on making it about prophecy. Keep on making it about all the things that are outworkings of God but aren't necessarily the core of him, if you can hear what I'm trying to say. So once again, the promise is alignment and life is birth. I build my church and the gates of Hades do not overpower her for she knows she has something greater in her called me. Yes? The armor of God is Christ in you. You can go through the rituals that the church has taught and try and put on stuff and then walk out the door and be taken out because someone says something horrible to you. Or you can have Christ being formed in you, know who you are, know your identity because it's Christ in you, and when the offense comes, you just love on it. You ignore it. Why? Because there's something greater in you than what is coming at you. This is to be literal. This isn't just some nice feel-good thing. Okay? This is to be literally in you and I through the work that he performs. I can't do this work. I can only receive it. But I have to go through the pathway of weakness. See, if I still want to maintain my physical strength, I will never know this, what I'm talking about. Because I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how this is all going to work. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get this rest in me. I need more physical breaks. Eh, wrong way. It's got nothing to do with the physical. You can be active, full-on active, real busy, and be at complete rest. Why? Because you have ceased from striving in your own works. Hebrews 4.10. Those that have ceased from their works, not reaching lost people, prophesying, your operating system that tries to get you into life. You have to cease from that. You have to surrender and let it go. That's scary, Greg. Yep, but it's the way in. And then you position yourself and cry out in weakness, in humility, in vulnerability. You may expose yourself to those you're walking with so they can walk with you and pray, and you stay in that position until the power of God comes and does an internal work that changes you. For now you can say, when I was weak, now I am strong. And I will boast now about my weakness because I realized how weak it was what I was trying to do. And then humility is birthed within a person's spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? So where is the life to be? In us. So have we got the life in us? Because we've gone through the process of weakness to strength. And if we haven't, we won't have it, guys. We'll prophesy and claim something and never fully live it out. It's about coming into the reality of it. That's what it means to be a Christian, to really follow Christ. Truth can be covering us, but he wants truth in us. He says, if you don't keep my commandments, you're a liar. And the truth isn't in you. But for those that keep my commandments, which is what? Love God, love one another. Then you'll be able to walk because love is being 
perfected within you. Hmm. <laughs> All based on knowing Jesus. Wow. Sounds simple, Greg. It is. But the depth to it is profound. What did Paul say? He said this. I'm afraid that as Eve was deceived in the garden, you have been deceived from the simplicity. He says, let us stray in your mind from the simplicity and the purity of a devotional life to Christ. He compares the fall of man. Now, this is how serious this is. He compares the fall of man, which separated mankind from God, to the Corinthian church losing what the whole point of this whole thing's about. That you've been led astray. The enemy has come with a persuasive argument that you haven't recognized it as because he threw a bit of Jesus in there. This is the way. Didn't he do that to Jesus? Didn't he say, hey, if you throw yourself down this hill here, the angels will come? Didn't he use the word of God? It was the Logos. It wasn't the living word. And Jesus knew the living word. So Jesus goes, eh, eh. You are not only using the Logos, you're out of timing and you're out of perspective. This is the perspective in which this is, but it was still truth. So Paul's saying here, you hear these things and they sound right and they sound good and they actually have an alignment with you. And now you've left this relationship and now you've got these other interests and these other lovers that have come in and they're robbing you of something which the life source is found in God and God alone. He is the source of our lives, and to be the source of our lives, no one else. And if I'm trying to find life in someone else, then I need to stop because that's a pressure and a burden someone else can't carry. And they will never meet that expectation. That's how you destroy relationships. Let's just come back and I'll leave you with this in verse 4. Because here's, I mean, it's all good news, but he says this in verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, to himself, consecrated to who? Him, by his choice, according to the kindness of his will. Read that again. Just as he chose you, say me, in him, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. That's what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 11. I want to present you holy and blameless before him. Oh, it's Paul that writes this letter too. Where am I up to? In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through who? Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will.
we can capture the living revelation of what's sitting there, do you know how that would fuel your inner world and heal it? No? Before you were, you were predestined to an adoption. You know, the cool thing about people that adopt children is they choose them, don't they? A child does not choose its parents. The parent chooses to have a child. And for whatever circumstance and reason, some parents choose to give the child away. And circumstance and situations, all that stuff. So there's grace for all that. But God chose you. So if you have found yourself being given away by your parents, and I'm, the damage that can have on someone's inside world because it's like a rejection. And there can be a spirit of rejection on a person, but God has chosen you. So even though a human has let you down, the father hasn't. Because before that person was even born, he chose you. If we can capture that, it would heal. Because you're not rejected. You're not. You've been adopted as a son. Sons being male and female. The Bible says that God longs for the sons to be revealed. Walk in the manner in which I walk. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of the brethren. He is the example of what sons are to become. So then he puts himself within you so you can become like Christ and be conformed into the image of the Christ. This is what the scriptures are all declaring. But they're just in a book. They need to become living. They need to become our reality. They need to be something we experience and know and live from. Because then we become the letter that is the demonstration, not of the law, but of the spirit. So people read you. You live different. You're not of the earth. You don't think as one of the earth. You put yourself second when everyone else puts themselves first. Why do you do that? You see, you can't live that out if that's in your strength. But you can live it out if it's in his strength and his power. Why? Because you understand the eternal purpose for your life. If it was just about heaven, we'd probably all be there. But it's not. That's an outcome. And there's a reward that awaits all those that enter into the eternal perspective of the Lord which is the transformation of you and I into the very image of him as a body and as individuals. And Paul is saying, God chose you before the foundation of the earth for that reason. Man. And then he said, I give everything my body needs for every one of my children to be in that. He hasn't left one thing uncovered. So our role is to be able to see him and his ways and then align our lives underneath it. So like it says in Ephesians 4, then this life comes, unity of the faith, the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
the mature man, meaning the bride, no longer tossed to and fro like the winds because we're listening to this doctrine and that doctrine and this person and that idea and myself and my mate. Powerful, isn't it? And we have an opportunity to be these people in a full reality, not in principle, in personhood. They are very different realities. The principle might lead you to the personhood, but we need to find the personhood. Quoting principles isn't enough. We need the revelation of the person. I build my church on the revelation of myself. Amen. So Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for the deposit of what you're depositing in us. And Lord, as we just tackle some of what we've just heard with the questions, Father, I pray you'd speak and you'd teach us. Lord, I know the enormity and the weight of your heart for your church and what you're saying and longing to do and what it requires of every single person if we want to be this church. Father, the decisions that we're going to need to make, the priorities that are going to need to change, the time that is need to be spent seeking you to discover what's hidden are massive. But they are fully possible with you and in you if we so desire it. So Father, if we are struggling tonight, I pray that you would refresh us. I pray you would breathe upon us. I pray what we've heard the word has inspired, created some sort of, even if it's a friction within us, that stirred us, Lord, to want to know more to want to go after more, to want to seek you because in you it says all of the hidden treasure and wisdom is found in the Christ. All things come through you and are from you and you are the one that lasts for eternity even when this heaven and this earth are perishing. It's you. You are the eternal. And I thank you, God, that you're building us into the image of your son that we may walk in the manner in which he walked and express you upon this earth. And we do it together, encouraging one another in love, in power, and in your strength. Amen. So just with the groups you're at, just for the next half an hour, there's just going to be some questions. And just nominate someone um, to just ask a question. They're just facilitating the questions. They're not to have all the answers or anything. And sometimes we might even know answers, so that's okay. And just dialogue about what you've heard and what's impacted you and what are the things that God might be saying to you through that.